0: My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I wrote that. That's the first line of a song, and I wrote it. I write the songs that makes the whole world sing I write the songs of love and special things I write the songs that makes the young girls cry I write the songs, I write the songs Yes, it's it's true. I'm uh, pretty much the most popular songwriter that's ever lived. I've had songs in the top 40 someplace in this world for like 3,000 years now. I wrote the Psalms. Psalm is just a Hebrew word for song. I wrote the songs. (laughs) My name is David, King David. I know what some of you are thinking. you don't... You don't look like no king. I wasn't always a king. Uh, I'm really uh, a shepherd. I'm really a a shepherd. This is what shepherds look like. (laughs) If you want, I can show you what shepherds smell like. (laughs) Yeah, everybody loves shepherds. In nativity scenes. And nowhere else. I was uh, king and, and shepherd. So, so what happened? Well, one day this prophet comes to our trailer, and he anointed me. <laughs> Mashiach, the Messiah, that's what that means. All at once, I'm the king, I'm, I'm the king. So, so uh, there you go. I'm, I'm the king. Is that, is that better? The, the king. Shepherd, shepherd and, and king. Brought some notes to help me remember what I want to say to you, because it's important. I was shepherd and king. Shepherd and king have a lot in common, actually. A shepherd uh, loves his, his sheep and saves those sheep from lions and bears and their own bad judgment. A king loves his people and saves those people from their enemies. shepherd and king. And sheep and people have a lot in common. They're both lovable and stupid. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a sheep. Baa, baa, say baa, baa. Have you ever said, the Lord is my shepherd? Have you ever said that? I wrote that. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd, that makes you a sheep. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a sheep. <laughs> bah, bah. Do it. Say, I'm, lo- I'm lovable. Say, say that. Turn and say, I am lovable. I'm lovable. But stupid. (laughs) Yeah, we have gone astray. Turn to your neighbor and say, we have gone astray. Everyone to his own way. Say that, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. That's Psalm 23, verse 1. This is Psalm 22, verse 1. To the choir master, according to the door of the dawn. That's the tune, a psalm of David. Then this is verse one. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from the the words of of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest, no Sabbath. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Everybody wants to know, where was I when I, I wrote that? You know, some of the psalms say where I was and what I was doing when I wrote them, but not Psalm 22, so everybody uh, wants to know. Sometimes I wrote psalms as a shepherd lying out under the stars, I wrote psalms. Sometimes I wrote them on the throne, I wrote psalms. But everybody wants to know, where were you, David, when you wrote, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe. Maybe. I was counting foreskins. Yeah, you heard me correct. Foreskins. <laughs> after I was anointed Mashiach, M- Messiah, after I slayed. Goliath after I became a war hero. And so for me, there was always a victory march. Well, anyway, after that, I expected to marry princes, Princess Mayrob, uh daughter of King Saul. He promised her to the one that proved to be the champion over Goliath. But then he wed her to another, and he said to me, he said, David, you can marry my daughter Michal if you pay the bride price. If you bring me wait for it, the foreskins of a hundred Philistines. I didn't only bring him the foreskins of one hundred Philistines. I brought him the foreskins of two hundred Philistines. I kept them in a bucket. You should have seen me counting foreskins. One skin, two skin. (laughs) Lighten up. They're onion rings, okay? They're just, they're props to get the idea uh, across. Uh, and, and circumcision, circumcision is important to God. It's important to God. It means that your Basar, it means that uh, your Johnson belongs to God which also means that your heart belongs to God. It's exposed to God so that you can receive love from God and then give love to another like your bride. It's the bride price. So anyway, one skin, two skin. There were giants among the Philistines. (laughs) One skin, two skin, three skin, four skin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me! (laughs) Maybe, maybe I was counting foreskins. Maybe I was hiding from King Saul. You see, after the foreskin debacle, King Saul tried to kill me several times. For about a decade after becoming the champion of Israel, I lived as a fugitive, always on run, watching my back, uh, hiding in caves, wondering if God had forsaken me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe I was hiding from King Saul. Maybe I was hiding from, from God. Long after I was proclaimed king over all of Israel, one day, I went for a walk on the roof of the palace, and I saw a woman taking a bath. Not just a Sheba, a Bath Sheba. In Hebrew, Sheba means seven, and for a Hebrew, seven is perfection. She was seven in a bathtub. Bath Sheba. <laughs> I seduced her. I impregnated her, and then I murdered her husband, and I hid my heart from God. I felt like God forsook me, but I had forsaken him. I had hid from him. I hid my heart until, with a word, like a knife, Nathan the prophet cut the calluses away from my heart and exposed my heart to the glory of God. Nathan said to me, David, Yahweh has forgiven you your sin. Nevertheless, the child who will be born to you, the son of David, will die. I threw myself on the ground. I threw myself into the dust of the earth, the dust of of death. I threw myself into dust of death, and I remained there for seven days until the son of David, my son of David, died. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe I was hiding from Saul when I wrote that. Maybe I was hiding from God. Maybe I was hiding from myself, my own flesh and blood. Nathan the prophet told me, you are forgiven, but the son of David will die. And what you have done in secret, David, will be done to you in the light of the sun." You probably know the story. My oldest son, Amnon, raped his half-sister and my daughter, Tamar, and so Tamar's full brother, and my third son, Absalom, married my firstborn son, Amnon. Then Absalom, over the course of of years, uh, plotted to overthrow my kingdom. If you think that you have a dysfunctional family, you have obviously never heard about my family. Absalom raped my wives on the roof of the palace under the sun, where everyone could see, as I fled from the city, as I fled from the kingdom, and people who insults and stones at the once great King David. My God! My God! Why? Why? Why have you forsaken me? Maybe I was hiding in the dark. Maybe I was hiding from God, maybe I was hiding from my own flesh and blood and the insults of an entire nation as I fled the kingdom. Maybe I was in hell. Psalm 18, verse 5, I wrote it. The sorrows of hell, King James Version, compassed me all about, entangled me. Psalm 86, 13, King James Version, my soul was in the lowest hell. I wrote that. Psalm 18 is a song. Psalm 86 is a song. Psalm 22 is a song. How do you sing about heaven when you feel like hell? How do you sing uh, about heaven when you're trapped in hell? Do you believe in hell? No. Of course you don't. You may believe that there is a hell, but nobody believes in hell because that's what hell is, not believing, not trusting. Of course, I'm talking about what I call hell number one. You people have such a hard time with hell because Nobody studies their Bibles. Hell is an English word. Used uh, to uh, refer to several different words. Not really a Bible word. It's an English word that you use to refer to at least, at least three different biblical realities that you think of as one reality and you call, and you call it hell. You know, fat your pastor, your pastor is far too humble to actually tell you this himself. But he's really quite intelligent. And very, very, very handsome. And his wife should be, his wife should be incredibly grateful to be married to such a man, and she would be wise to do whatever he says. Anyway, I was just telling you, your pastor, your pastor has explained this to you and he should explain it over and over and over again. It's that important, the three hells. So maybe you could think of hell number one as as over here, right here. It's faithlessness, trustlessness. It's not believing. It's the Hebrew word. Sheol, which is often translated grave, or like tomb, or, or pit. In Greek, it's translated as Hades. The word hell, if the word hell shows up at all in your English Old Testaments, is translating this word Sheol. Sheol is the place of outer darkness where men weep and gnash their teeth. It begins on the surface of the earth, and it can continue under the earth after the body dies. And the deeper you go, the worse that it gets. Sheol is darkness, death, and life. Lies. The chief punishment of the liar is not so much that he is no longer believed, but that he can no longer believe. That means that he can no longer connect. He can no longer believe truth or speak truth. He can no longer receive love or, or give love. He's cut off and entirely alone. This place, you is chaos with no logos. It's devoid without reason. It's the manifest absence of God who is light, life, truth, and love. It's the land of the lost. Ecclesiastes 9. My son Solomon wrote this, verse 10. Listen closely. There is no work or thought or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. In the Old Testament, everyone sank into Sheol. In Psalm 6, I wrote, In Sheol, O Lord, who will give you praise? In Sheol, there's no singing, no faith, no hope, no love, and all feel forsaken. In Sheol, no one believes. In Sheol, no one sings. Except, of course, for one. Hell number one, right here. And now, way, way, way over here, think of... Hell number two. Hell number two. Hell hell number two is very different than hell number one. Oh yeah, I want to look at my notes. Hell number two, hell number two is eternal fire. Our God is a consuming fire said Moses, who can dwell with the consuming fire, cried the sinners on Mount Zion and Isaiah. God is an eternal consuming fire that ignites the altar in, in the temple and fills the temple with, with glory. Is not my word like fire, says God through Jeremiah. Uh, his breath is fire. The word that rides on his breath is fire. It's all fire. Hell number two is not faithlessness. Hell number two is faith fullness. It's light that burns the darkness. It's truth that destroys uh, the lies. It's life that raises the dead. It's love that binds everything together. It's the logos that makes a a symphony out of all the chaos. It's the word spoken into the void, creating all things and making all things new. Number two is not the experience of God's absence, it is the manifestation of God's presence. It's sin that's been filled with grace. It's emptiness that's been filled with I amness uh, Until everything is transformed into this ceaseless song of freely given praise to the Lord God enthroned upon an entire universe of hallelujahs. Hell number two, is the exact opposite of hell number one. (laughs) So of course you're all confused. You're using one term to refer to two opposite things. Opposite, uh, but not equal. Not equal opposites, because in fact, hell number one will be destroyed by hell number two. Hell number one is temporal. That means it's part of our space and time, how we experience things in this world. Hell number two is eternal. Revelation 20, 14. Death and Hades, hell number one, were thrown into the lake of fire and divinity, hell number two, and death is no more, Revelation 21, verse 4. A better word for hell number two is heaven. Or at least the substance of heaven. In heaven, no one feels forsaken. And everyone—and I mean everyone—sings. Hell number two, that is heaven, is the new Jerusalem coming down. The city of Jerusalem, the city of David, was bounded on two sides by a, a border, a, a valley, the Valley of Hinnom. Gehinnom, also called uh, Gehenna, which for some crazy reason is also translated hell in a lot of your your Bibles. To enter Jerusalem, to enter Jerusalem from the outer darkness, you often had to pass through Gehenna. The breath of Yahweh, like a stream of brimstone, doth set it ablaze, writes Isaiah. Uh, The fire marshal wouldn't let me set this ablaze, but I hope you you get the idea. Hell number three is the burning boundary between hell number two and hell number one, the boundary between creation and chaos, uh, the boundary between the outer darkness and the new Jerusalem. Hell number three is an encounter with the unmitigated presence of God it's the manifest judgment of God. God is his judgment, and his judgment is God, but it's manifest at the boundary. But anyway, this was a question. How do you sing about heaven when you feel like hell? How did, how did, how did I uh, sing the hallelujah in the dust of death? I don't know, or or maybe I should say, I I didn't know at the time, but I did. And I found it, um, what's the word I'm looking for, baffling, it was baffling. Hiding in the cave from King Saul, I I felt forsaken. And then I told God that I felt forsaken, and it turned into a song. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When Nathan revealed my shame, I lay in the dust of death for seven days. My son died. The son of David died on account of my sin. He died. And then I got up and I entered the house of the Lord and I began to sing. I began to worship. Hallelujah. When I heard that Absalom, my son, had died, I cried out, Oh, my son Absalom, my son Absalom, oh, if only I had died instead of you and I began to weep, and weep, and weep, and then I realized that it wasn't just me weeping, but somebody else was weeping in me, and through me, and for me, and for all of humanity. I could not comprehend it, and yet it was somehow comprehending me. The hallelujah. How do you sing about heaven when you feel like hell? I'm not sure that you can, but maybe God can, in you, in me, in hell. How do you sing about heaven when you feel like hell? We ought to ask Jesus. He sang in hell. You know, he sang my song in hell. In my day, the psalms did not have numbers. So you referred to a psalm by his first line. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross at the edge of Jerusalem, at the edge of time and eternity in the outer darkness, at the edge of this hell and God's heaven, Jesus, son of David, descended into hell, and he was singing. <laughs> Let's read it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, and I find no rest. Yet you, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they, they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I'm a worm, and not a man, scorned by Adam, that's mankind, and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusted in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me, you made me trust, trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Oh, be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones out of joint. My heart is like wax, it's melting in my chest. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaw. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have encompassed me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Why did I write that in 3000 BC? Crucifixion had not even been invented yet. No one knew what a Roman was. Do you realize that you have actual physical manu- one actual physical manuscript from the Dead Sea Scrolls that's been like carbon dated to to a time prior to that in which the gospels were even written? They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. God always answers with his word. <laughs> and his word is Jesus. You know, I think he even helps us ask the question with his word, <laughs> which is, he then is going to answer. Verse 21, you have answered me. I will tell of your name. His name is Yeshua. <laughs> it means Yahweh is salvation. That's who he is. I will tell of your name to to my, my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will hallel you. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, hallel him, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him, he's heard. I cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then I sang that he has not forsaken me. Actually, I sang that he has not forsaken him. When Jesus hung on the tree, do you think that God forsook God? No, he's the faithful one. But did the faithful one descend into my faithlessness, my hell? Yeah. Did the way descend into that place in which I was was lost, such that he felt lost with me? I think so. We were alone together. On the cross, Jesus descended into my hell and your hell, and there he speaks the prayer that the children of Adam are too terrified to speak. On the cross, faith descended into faithlessness and spoke for us. My God, my God, why? Next verse. I wrote, from you comes my praise. Tehillah means my song of hallel, my hallelujah, offered up to God. From you comes my uh, tehillah in the great congregation. You, you, you know, to praise God is not my judgment. That's somebody else's judgment. Faith is not my judgment, but the judgment of, of, of well, of Jesus, and, and it's, it's a gift. Uh, I'm a sheep! <laughs> a sheep is not saved by its own judgment. A sheep gets in trouble because of its own judgment. It nibbles its way into hell. The sheep is saved by the judgment of the great shepherd So from you, not me, comes my Hallelujah my praise in the great congregation my vows i will, what i said i will do i will do i will perform before those who fear him the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied those who seek him same song now okay i'm greeting the same song those who seek him shall praise the lord may your hearts live forever all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn repent to the lord and all the families of the nations all the families shall worship before you for kingship belongs to the lord and he rules over the nations all the prosperous of the earth now we were kind of rude back in that day what that means literally is all the fat of the earth will eat and worship before him shall bow all who go down to the dust all who go down to the dust even the one who could not keep himself alive that would be king saul and Absalom, and Goliath, and every Philistine I had ever slaughtered, and the son of David that died on account of my sin. And what's the great congregation? It's everything that has breath! Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and all that is uh, within them. Next verse. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation that shall come and proclaim his righteousness. His righteousness. That's how you know the truth, if it's his righteousness. Proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. It is finished. <laughs> on a tree. Sorry. I- get worked up. Your pastor said, people get all nervous when you get worked up, but anyway. uh, On a tree, at the end of the ages, at the edge of Jerusalem, Jesus sang his song and cried, it is finished, lifted up his head and says, into your hands I commit my spirit. I thought I wrote that. That's Psalm 31. <laughs> he wrote it, I guess. I guess he I guess he wrote that. Into your hands I commit my spirit. The earth shook Sheol was opened. Saints came out of the tomb and entered Jerusalem. <laughs> the son of David started singing on a cross, and he kept singing even as he descended into hell, and there he burst the bonds of hell from the inside out with the resonant frequency of, of his hallelujah. The frequency of his ha- hallelujah. He burst the bounds of hell, and then, and there he delivered up his spirit, his breath. In the hands I commit my spirit. That's the same spirit that fell on the church at Pentecost as tongues of fire. It's the same spirit that filled the temple built by David, son of David, named the son of David named Solomon, and the son of David named Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Same spirit that met me in the dark, the dust of the earth, and the depths of my sorrow, and caused me to sing, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then to keep singing all the way to the end. So. When did I feel forsaken? (laughs) Every time that my judgment was out of harmony with God's judgment. Every time I sinned. Every time I lacked faith. And when did I write Psalm 22? (laughs) I didn't write it. It wrote me. It's more like God wrote me with that song. It's more like God created me with his word, and I got to witness my own creation. I sang, why are you so far from the words of my groaning? And it turns out he is the words of my groaning, giving birth to faith in me and through me. I was a baffled king composing Hallelujah because the hallelujah was composing me. So, yeah, I felt forsaken counting foreskins and paying the bribe price. But did you know that Jesus paid the bribe price? On his tree, in the garden, on the cross, he paid it for all of us. That's what Scripture tells us. Through him, God cut away the dead flesh that encircles our hard hearts, that he might enter us and fill us with his life. We we are his temple. Adam is his bride. So yeah, I felt forsaken as the son of David died. But then I entered the house of the Lord, and I began to worship. And then I made love to my bride, Bathsheba and the son of David, the prince of peace, was conceived in that place. Jesus is the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson of Solomon through Bathsheba. The son of David died for my sin, and the son of David was born out of my sin. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And all of it was Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I felt forsaken when I learned the deeds of my wicked, wicked son Absalom, and yet I wept for Absalom. Just as God the Father weeps for each one of us, I wept because, well, because God had given me his heart. cried, oh, my son, Absalom, 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 if only I had died instead of you. Our father not only sang it, he did it. Like Rabbi Saul wrote, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It was the heart of God that hung on that tree, that we might know God as love, and his word is love, and we are created with love, that we might forever know and be known by love, praising our Lord, who is love, swept away in the endless symphony of love that is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, the entire new creation. I heard there was a secret chord that David played, and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah. You know, most music is built on a seven chord scale, which reminds me, in particular, of the seven days of creation. The fall on the sixth makes you long for the major lift on the seventh. Sin on the sixth day makes you yearn for grace on the seventh. Dissonance makes you long for consonance, and once you've heard the song, even the dissonance becomes beautiful, glorious. The fall on the sixth day is completed with the glory of the seventh. It is finished. You know, Jesus was crucified on a tree in the garden at the edge of Jerusalem on the sixth day of creation, sixth day of the week, at the sixth hour of the day, so that he might descend into your hell and help you sing the Hallel. Hallelujah. So at the end of time, at the end of time, hell is cast into heaven and death is no more. And on the cross... Heaven descended into hell and the King of glory would not stop singing, (laughs) hallelujah. That's not a small thing, by the way. That's how God creates everything that's anything. God sings creation into existence with his word. (laughs) He's been alive forever. And he wrote the very first song. He put the words and the melodies together. He is Yaffe. And he writes the songs. Do, 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 do. Everybody, he writes. Come on, everybody. He writes the songs that make the whole world sing louder. He writes the songs of love and special things. boo doo boom. He writes the songs that make the young girls cry. He writes the songs. He writes the songs. Yeah. He's saying creation into existence with his word. And by letting you witness him do that, he makes you in his own image. The image of love who constantly chooses to give himself away in absolute freedom. That's his choice. That's his decision. That's his judgment. The king of glory did not die and rise from the dead because of your decision. You can only decide, you can only make a good decision because Jesus died and rose from the dead in the garden of your soul. You can only sing the hallelujah because God is singing you and you have come to know it or be known by it. Hallelujah. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God," says Scripture. Heaven is an endless seventh day, which in the Hebrew mind is is an eighth day, like Easter Sunday. It's the place where everything is good and it is finished, and everyone sings, because they want to. Praise the Lord. They want to praise the Lord. In Hebrew, that's hallelujah. The Word shows up 52 times in the last six psalms. Psalm 145, first of those, I write this, All your works, all shall praise you, O Lord. The book of Psalms ends with this line, Psalm 150, verse 6, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Do you know what your pastor told me? He told me that there are folks that don't want to, like, let Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. He he told me that there are people who think there are other people that cannot be saved by the Lord. And therefore never, ever, ever, ever praise the Lord. He, He told me that there are sheep who think that there are other sheep that are too lost for the great shepherd to find stupid 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 sheep don't you see that as long as you don't let everything that has breath praise the lord you are not praising the lord who came to seek and to save the lost sheep the one out of the 99 as long as you will not allow others to praise the lord you cannot rest in the place where everyone praises the Lord. makes sense? As long as you will not let everyone praise the Lord, how can you rest in that place? As long as you will not let them be saved, you cannot be saved. And this is another way to say it. As long as you will not forgive, you will not know forgiveness. As long as you do not forgive, you trap yourself in outer darkness. Now that place cannot last Forever without end. But why would you want to let it last at all? So say this after me. All right, I want you to say this out loud, out loud after me. In the name of Jesus, name of Jesus. I, forgive. I forgive everyone. everyone. Good. In the name of Jesus, I thank God that I am forgiven. In the name of Jesus, I let everything that has breath (laughs) praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you just said that and meant that, it wasn't simply your choice. It was God's choice, who descended into your darkness as a word, kind of like this. On the night that the word of God in flesh, the song of God in flesh, the son of David, on that night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it saying, This is my body, broken and given to you. Take and eat and do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the covenant, its marriage covenant, in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. And now, if you still feel forsaken? I mean, if you feel like you've done everything right, you know, or maybe most things right, you feel like you've done everything right but still your heart, it just melts within your breast and they still mock you and they still revile you and, and Maybe they even pierce your hands and your feet. If you still feel forsaken, I want you to pray this prayer after me, and you can pray this prayer silently in your heart. Just close your eyes and pray to God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far? from the words of my groaning. Maybe he is the words of your groaning. You know, he prayed that prayer long before you prayed that prayer. And I think just now he prayed that prayer in his temple, which is you. I heard there was a secret chord that David played, and it pleased the Lord. I think that chord is called sorrow. And if you hold the sorrow to yourself, it's hell. But if you play it, if you surrender it, and you sing it in communion with Him, well, He sings it in communion with you, or He is singing it in communion with you in you, and He sings it all the way to the end. He is the end. He has done it. Love actually is an eternal victory march. That's what it is. It's the eternal victory march, even if, especially if at first, it feels like a cold and a broken hallelujah. So come to the table and take a cold and a broken piece of bread. Dip it in the cup and let it descend into the depths of your sorrow And your sin and your shame and then let Jesus sing your sorrow into joy, your sin into grace and your shame into eternal life and then when you get home tonight do me this favor. Don't just read Psalm 22, pray Psalm 22. You can even try to sing it if you're good at that kind of thing, but sing it all the way to the end. Jesus is the end which means you're not at the end until you hear the hallelujahs. Amen. Amen. Uh, that's really the gospel, that God is holy. Holy means different than like us. We're divided. God is one. <laughs> and so, so the gospel is this, that God is God. That means that God is love, and God is salvation. (laughs) That's really the name of Jesus, and he has come to you, his his temple. Uh, God God is salvation, and you see, when you believe that, when he causes you to believe that, Sheol loses its grip on you doesn't mean that you won't suffer. It doesn't mean that there won't be difficult times. It won't mean, doesn't mean that you won't be disciplined in this walk through this wilderness world. But, but it means that Sheol loses its grip on you and it cannot hold you down. But you see, until you believe that God is salvation, that that's who He is and He's undivided, well, I think it does keep a grip upon you. And so why not believe right now TODAY, BELIEVE THE GOSPEL, IT'S EASTER. IN JESUS' NAME. Amen. AMEN? ALL RIGHT. NOW, HEY, IF YOU'RE NEW TODAY, WE'RE REALLY GLAD THAT YOU'RE HERE. AND I SHOULD TELL YOU, um, THAT WASN'T ACTUALLY DAVID. THAT WAS ME. I DRESSED. I, I PUT MY WATCH BACK ON SO YOU COULD TELL IT WAS ME. Um, I, was just, I WAS JUST PRETENDING. BUT I THINK I MIGHT HAVE SAID SOMETHING LIKE THAT. And, Next week, uh, we invite you back. We'll be looking at Psalm 23 that comes. So you sheep need to come back next week. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, he's your shepherd. So have a wonderful uh, Easter Sunday. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Amen.